1: The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com.
0: Eno Saris, and you know how great he is. All right, so I was asking you the question, trying to make a little joke of the Carlos Correa. I mean, every single day for the last two off seasons is markets heating up, Offers are going to come in, blah, blah, blah. I mean, how many times have we... How many times have you could just guess on all the different websites, all the different rumors we've heard, things are heating up for Carlos Correa?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's holding out. He wants to to, to milk the most out of his... Uh, this is his time. I mean, as a 28-year-old, he's the youngest of the four shortstops that's out there. He also has the best patience and the best power. He also might be the one to move off the soonest off of shortstop. Uh, But at 28, you figure you still at least have two or three more years of him at shortstop. So I think he did the one year deal thing last year. And this year he wants to get the best deal he can get. And I, this, I guess if there is some disconnect uh, between the market and what's happening and why he hasn't signed yet uh, is that when you give uh, someone the $300 million package you're kind of making them the de facto leader in your clubhouse so maybe there's just some you know feeling from teams of, uh, from 2017 from the cheating scandal or uh, you know just some worry about making him the sort of de facto leader in the clubhouse with this mega deal that you'd be giving him.
0: Yeah, I don't know about the taxes with the Dodgers and all of that, and they still got to figure out what's going to happen with Trevor Bauer for their taxes. But
1: but they came out and said, they you know, said we're not into it. <laughs> they said
0: their fans don't like them. They don't like them really from yeah. So it's like it's so weird because I would bet if you offered him 11 years, $300 million, the Trey Turner deal, he'd be signed.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think that's where he's headed. Although you never know if he needs to beat it by 10 cents. You know, the whole thing, (laughs) the whole thing that went down with Max Scherzer, people were like, can Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander be on the same team? I'm like, yeah, if you give Justin Verlander 10 cents more per year. I mean, <laughs> literally, I'm sure those contracts break down so that Verlander gets 10 cents more. That's that's how competitive these guys are.
0: Uh, do they need to bring back any other 2013 Tigers to join them there in, in New York?
1: <laughs> to, to, to mediate, to yeah. stand between them? <laughs> They're not going to be I mean, you know You know, starting pitchers, though, they they don't have to interact that often. You know, they just got to come in every five days. They got to do their work. I think I think they'll be fine. But, yeah, uh, you know, there's going to be there's going to be something uh, coming with Korea eventually. (laughs) So this came
0: down. Sean Murphy, the trade that involved two other teams, the Braves and the Brewers. How do you feel the A's did and how do you feel about the trade?
1: You know, I think the A's, uh, it's uh, their biggest strength and maybe their biggest weakness is that they really like uh, projectable, safer uh, prospects. They like uh, someone who's close to the big leagues who will play. You know, they like to plug in guys who will play. They like to get double A, triple A. They don't really like to get the 17-year-old in A ball. Um, and so the, the way that helps them is that next year they will have a representative team. I mean, they will put people out there that know how to play baseball, you know, they'll put estuary's out there and he will be a good outfielder defensively. Um, and the rest of the game is really a question mark in terms of, uh, you know, how much power will he have? He had one of the lowest hard hit rates in the minors, um, and, uh, how the on base percentage will will uh, translate if he doesn't really have that power or elite contact so i think there's a lot of questions about him as a player i think he could easily end up as a fourth outfielder and i think that the a's evaluation of him was higher than the market i think that's the that's sort of what's happening on twitter and that's how i see it myself at the same time it's not they're gonna have to wait four years for him you know <laughs> like they're gonna plug him in next year and that's that's something that they do often like why would any other team ask for manny Pena? back in this trade. <laughs> but they were like, here's a veteran that we can put behind shea that's going to play at catcher next year and he's worth the 3 4 million he's paid, and so let's put him on our team. So that's that's a strength and a weakness embodied in this trade, I think.
0: What about the big lefty Muller?
1: He has uh really good breaking balls that he can command and a good changeup. So I like his secondary pitches. Uh, He has not shown the ability to command the fastball and the fastball may have, uh, may have a bad shape. So uh, a player that has some really good strengths and some weaknesses and people say, Oh, he was the Braves. number one prospect on the list. I don't think that's being fair. The Braves have graduated most of their prospects, and what's left is not, you know, if their number one prospect is not everybody else's number one prospect. He's somebody that's, you know, would be somewhere in the 110 to 120th ranked prospect in the in the in the game.
0: So I've heard the deal being given a C. What grade would you give it?
1: I mean, honestly, I think the Brewers get an A. Uh, they turned, uh, Ruiz into Wilson Contreras and that's, that's an offensive catcher. He's going to be one of the best hitters right away. Um, the Braves, I think get like a B because they had a pretty good catcher, but Sean Murphy is, you know, he's, we, we all know how excellent he is. He was just an amazing, hardworking guy that knows how to frame, knows how to hit. He's just a real professional top three, four type catcher in the game. So maybe they get an A for that. I, I might be lower than a C on this. Wow. I just go ahead. Uh, I see question marks on every guy that they got. And, uh, you know, if you're going to get guys that are close to the big leagues, I would like fewer question marks. So uh, maybe that's just not how you get it. Maybe you have to either get them close to the big leagues or get fewer question marks on a 17-year-old. I don't know. Maybe you can't get everything. But when you're trading Sean Murphy, it's three years of a top-three catcher in the in the big leagues. I feel like you should come away with a, a shining jewel. And I think for the A's, Estrella Ruiz is that, but he's, he isn't for me.
0: All right. What do you think it does for the pitching staff, though, bringing in guys that give you a chance? to be in the big leagues this coming
1: season? Well, I mean, one thing that you will have in the outfield uh, for the A's are some really good running speeds. I mean, if you go Pache, uh, Ruiz, Loriano out there, they are going to run it down. You know, they are going to run it down. They are going to run real fast, and they're going to they're going to pick it for you. So that does help you. And, you know, for what it's worth, I am in the tank for Shea Langleyers. Like, I really enjoyed talking to him this last year. I think he has a really good head on his shoulders, and I think they just maybe part of this is they believe in him. And uh, from what I've gathered from talking to him, I believe in him. He's going to strike out a little bit more than Sean Murphy, though. So I don't know if he's going to be the same uh, force offensively behind the plate.
0: My thing with Murph is he's never, to me, going to be that guy that you'd build your lineup around. He'll look great in the lineup, down in the lineup for the Atlanta Braves. For the A's, trying to hit third or fourth full-time, just never did it for me.
1: It was a lot for him. I mean, I saw him pregame, and he almost sometimes looks exhausted because he had to do everything, you know? He would have been the everything guy for the A's, and I think you're right. Maybe that's a lot to ask of your catcher. I mean, you're just you're you're putting him out there 650 plate appearances. That's a lot for a catcher, you know, because he's got to do all three. He's got to he's got to know everything in all three phases of the game.
0: You You burn you him out it. quick.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a little bit of that where he was just he was working really hard.
0: And then all of a sudden, you look and it's 17, 18 home runs, and you're like looking at the, you know, it's like. I, it's To me, unless you have someone so gifted like a Mike Piazza or a Pud Rodriguez, it is so hard to build your lineup around a catcher.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just hoping – I was hoping that in this trade they would get a guy that I'd be like, oh, that's someone i build my lineup around. And I don't think Ruiz has that sort of power. You Are know? those
0: days kind of done? I mean, because you look at the meetings. We're down there and everything every- – these the way these front offices yeah. are built. Everybody has the same numbers. Everybody has the same beliefs. Nobody wants to give prospects up anymore. They rather page. They rather pay huge dollars in free agency. We're just not seeing those trades.
1: Yeah, I suppose it's, it's true because yeah, I think what everybody wanted was Von Grissom, you know, for the for the A's. Once this started breaking down, they said, "Oh, you know, they need some help up the middle." Von Grissom uh, for Sean Murphy. That sounds about right. Maybe the maybe the Braves weren't anywhere close to giving up for Vaughn Grissom, you know, because here's a guy who's played in the major leagues and they think can play for them next year, and he plays up the middle in in, on the infield, you know. Maybe that's just wasn't going to happen. And I think it's it's a fair point, you know, when you're talking about the top five prospects around the game. Maybe the the Yankees weren't going to give up like a Jason Dominguez or you know whatever these these top guys are. Maybe they're just not going to get traded.
0: Well, and then, you know, I, I was listening the day after, after we got back, I was listening to Mike Elias talk about, you know, what they're trying to do there in Baltimore, and he's still talking about future, future, future. He was on Sirius XM with uh, Steve Phillips, Jim Bowden, and Jim Duquette, all three former GMs. They were all kind of like, hey, Mike, your time's kind of now, right? You're ready to win. You're ready to battle the guys in the NL East. He's like, well, you know, we still have growth and we don't want to deal with our prospects. So it's, you know, a lot of these guys, they are going to hold on to these prospects no matter what.
1: Yeah. And it's a little surprising that the Orioles, he kind of talked about not going past three years or something, not not doing these big deals. And it's a little surprising because I think the if the Padres have done something right in the recent years, I think one of the one of the main things you can point to is the signing of Manny Machado. And then that signing came a little bit early for them in terms of winning, you know, that came before they had made the playoffs. And some people thought it was a lot of money for a guy that, you know, would did he have the leadership skills, character issues? We like to call. (laughs) Yeah. So kind of in this like Carlos Correa moment, right. Isn't there like a little bit of a parallel to Carlos Correa where it's like, here's a guy who's going to get big money that people wonder if this is the right, the right move, you know? Yeah. And, what 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 could it do for the Orioles to to get in there and get Carlos Correa for 300 million and just plug a guy in on that infield and just makes everybody better over time and all that takes pressure off of the Gunner Henderson types and all these guys that have to come up and you have a star. And then the second star is easier to sign because you already have Carlos Correa over there and they say, oh, I, I believe you. I believe you're going to try and put a good team together. Now, what they have to do is they have to win for a bunch of years to convince anybody to take their money. You know what I mean? Because at this point, you know, you, we've seen it with Trey Turner. We've seen it with a lot of these guys. At some point, you have b- deals in front of you that are very similar. So at some point, Trey Turner realized, I've got two or three $300 million deals on the table. I can choose. And he chose the Phillies. That's not that weird. They were just in the World Series. It makes a lot of sense. They're, they, they've already paid a lot for other guys. They have another $300 million guy. Trey Turner doesn't even have to be the number one guy. You know, so he chose what he chose. Aaron Judge at some point probably realized that he had somewhere between 350 and 400 million on the table. Did he want to squeeze every single dime out of it and go back to the to go to the Giants? Or did he did he want to stay where he was comfortable and take the 360? So it is hard sometimes to sign these big deals. And maybe he's just covering his ass because nobody was actually going to take any of the Orioles money unless they overpaid significantly.
0: So you start looking around baseball. I did it last night. I went through divisions. I went, look how many teams have either done just a little bit or nothing at all. It vastly outweighs the teams that have done something. So now that you're back from the winter meetings, you know, finally Bassett today goes the to Blue Jays. Okay, Blue Jays. But there's a lot of teams that have done very little or nothing at all. And some are even big market teams. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh the, the you know the Tampa Bay Rays signed their biggest uh, their biggest uh, free agent deal ever and it's been their only move basically, uh signing Zach Eflin, um you know, kind of a th- fourth or fifth starter to a 3-year $40 million deal. So, um you know, there are these weird things where, you know, everyone's trying to stay true to their market and 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 like, you know, uh make smart deals and stuff. And and the Tigers are out here and they made one deal you know, one year ten million dollars to Matthew Boyd. It's so weird. Uh to to have you know the like the Rockies have signed one team, one player, Jose Urania for for three and a half million. How so your Ma- like, how
0: your Marlins and Royals doing?
1: Yeah, I don't even I don't even see anything
0: on that. Uh oh wait a minute. Dodgers got Shelby Miller and uh Justin uh Justin Hayward.
1: Jason Hayward. Jason Award. And, and, well, you know, the guy named Clayton Kershaw signed re yeah
0: Nah, that didn't count. You're re-signing your own. They haven't made any yeah. deals. That's why I don't even look at. It. I mean, Canely obviously with the Yankees, but them re-signing Judge, you're just retaining your guy.
1: I kind of buy that the Dodgers might be uh, eyeing Shohei Otani next year. Um, you know, because, you know, the, the Yankees have done this before, too, where they kind of reset. They want to stay under the, the cap for a year and reset all those penalties and, and then go back at it in the next year. Uh, so I could see the Dodgers looking at this as a reset, and they're going to go get Otani next year. But I do wonder just, you know, uh, I like that Cleveland today signed Josh Bell because there's a team that uh, was in it and won their division and has a lot of young talent and, and has spent more money in the past. Why don't they do more mid-level deals and get some young, get some small like deals in there, get some get some like sort of mid-tier guys in there to help all their young guys. And so I think that Josh Bell signing is something that more teams should do more of. Um, And in general, I think uh, that there should be more movement. You know, what's going to happen that uh, will help a little bit is once the free agents are settled, once more of the names are signed, then we'll get all those trades that we haven't been getting. I mean, it's been a really uh, lackluster trade market so far. Yeah. Today was one of, like probably the biggest trade of the, the offseason. And uh, and uh, I think we'll have more of that once people realize, oh, I'm not getting one of these top shortstops. Or, uh, oh, all the, the starting pitchers off the board. I better start talking to the Marlins or whatever it is, you know?
0: So Rodon was looked at as a Blue Jay. Bassett signs with the Blue Jays. We've heard New York. Obviously, sure. he was in San Francisco you know that was kind of the big dilemma for me. As we watched you walk out of the winter meetings, uh, I was watching the Giants people walk out, basically even before you. Some of them, and I remember running into Bobby Evans, former GM of the Giants, and said, "Hey, Bobby, when your PRs getting out of here that fast, you're pretty much done, right?" He said, "Yeah." So it's like yeah. the Giants went to Giants went to San Diego to land Judge, didn't get him, and then they bolted out of town. Where are you with? They had all this money. They got Mania today. I know you you, you tweeted about Nani- Manaya Where are you on the San Francisco Giants in their offseason? I so? mean,
1: they're the team that needed to do very different. They're having like a Cleveland offseason. They really needed to have a, a, a Yankee or Dodger offseason. You know what I mean? Like they really needed the Judge signing. I think Mitch Haniger and Sean Manaya are the types of players that. You know, smaller market teams could could steal from the big market teams. The Giants need to act like a big market team. I'm surprised they're not in it for Rodon, but I guess they they've already shown that they want to be shorter deal guys for their for their, their pitchers. You know, Sean and I had two years. Rodon, when he first came in year, with an opt out. You know, so that's how they were going to be on pitchers. There are, there is still a big hitter on the market. Carlos Correa, I think, would make a lot of sense for the Giants. Here it is again, the, the headline:
0: Market's heating well, up for
1: Correa. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the giants need a, a star. And, you know, I thought something like maybe if they didn't get judge, a Korea uh project would go well, but uh, Nimo went for about six 60 million more than he was projected for uh, at Fangraph. So maybe that price got too high, but there's really only one position player that I want still on the market uh, that could make, move the needle for the giants. And that's Carlos Correa because to me, Danzi Swanson is the kind of guy where you you know give him 250 million 220 million you say I didn't spend 300 million well you didn't get a 300 million dollar player either you know what i mean like it's just he's clearly the fourth best shortstop among these and i i i think he'll be at second base in two years and he doesn't really have the power or patience or contact ability to kind of float uh, an offensive friendly uh, profile
0: who plays the longest at short
1: well, Correa is twenty-eight, so I'll I'll give i give it to Correa. But you had, I, you
0: you had him off short, not too long though. You you were well, like,
1: right. So if you're saying like longest from now, I'll say Correa just because he's the youngest, right? Like what how long? Mean, what are you going to give st- him? Like 30, 31, right? But like Trey Turner is already thirty, so that might be two, three years for for Correa. I think in terms of who stays the longest according to their age, it's Turner because he's he's got the best legs. Turner will be at shortstop till
0: the age of what?
1: Like 32.
0: Oh, God.
1: That's like two years. <laughs> hey, yo, know, uh, like, listen, like, this might sound crazy. And you're like, oh, my God, they just signed it for 11 years. And, you know, this guy's saying that, you know, he's going to, that, that there's not, that, that he's not going to be at shortstop past two more years. Well, just to give you an idea of like, you know, how age resort relates to uh, shortstops this year. I'm just looking at shortstops this year, qualified shortstops. There was Elvis Andrews at 33. I don't think anybody thought he would make it through the year as a starting shortstop. I mean, he had kind of a resurgent year and I doubt anybody signs him next year to be a full-time starting shortstop. So he's done at 33 as a full-time starting shortstop. Can we maybe agree? Even if he has another deal? I mean, he's, I'm not, you're not signing him to be your starting shortstop at this point. Uh, the other one is Miguel Rojas at 33. Probably already on his way out a little bit. The other one is Kyle Farmer. I don't even know if he was a starting shortstop. <laughs> Nobody else did it. Nobody.
0: Where you, you know? get where, where 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 will you get value at a turner when he's 38 39? He has the 40? best
1: legs, center. So he, he'll go I think from short to center. Uh, and then, uh, I do think it's going to be a little bit weird. It's going to be weird at 38. I don't know what it's going to look like. Cause how many guys had good legs? Okay. Power, not elite contact. Like if everything goes right, Ricky, there's something similar to Ricky. Oof. That's rough, right.
0: That's a rough comparison, but okay. What about Xander? What are you going to do with Xander? No, when he's I thirty mean, eight? no,
1: that's, that's the best case scenario. Yes. It's a rough comparison. Like he's not, he's probably not Ricky, but. He's I mean he's similar. It's a guy who can steal a lot of bases, has really good legs, and has more power than you expect.
0: Where do you got Xander 38?
1: Um surfing, um, surfing
0: in Mission Beach.
1: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like he doesn't he doesn't do the things that like I would say DH or first, right? Because he's gonna go to third and then he doesn't have the he's not gonna be an outfielder. He doesn't have really have the legs for it. So he's going to go from third to first. That's how it goes. And then uh, he doesn't have that like he doesn't do what Correa does, which is like wait for his pitch and then and barrel it. Right. He's more of a kind of a hit tool guy. So what are you going to do with a first baseman DH who's 38 who can hit you 270 with like 15 homers? And doesn't really have any speed. I think part time DH first baseman.
0: Yeah, I, we just have to come to grips that they're signing these to 11-year deals to help them with the salary cap, and they know that year 9, 10, 11 are going to be a wash.
1: They might not even be on the roster. Yeah. yeah,
0: You're not you're – not, I mean, so the the move to third, to first, to uh, center, to uh, these guys, ID – Well, that's happening
1: in the 30s. <laughs> so I, I don't know what happens in the late 30s. It's probably off the roster at some point. Yes. I mean,
0: that's crazy. Rodon, where does he go? Back to the Giants?
1: I don't know. I think the Yankees, maybe.
0: Because he's the, is he the last big, other than Correa, the last, the last big fish we've been talking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Those are the, those are the two big fish. And behind uh, Rodon, in terms of the best starting pitchers, you're talking about Ross Stripling and Corey Kluber already. So it's, uh, it is a sort of last chance saloon, a little bit, you know, end of the night at the bar uh, for, for starting pitcher market. Uh, If you're looking at Carlos Correa, uh, at least you can say, well, there's Dansby Swanson behind him, uh, Andrew Benintendi, Brandon Drury. I don't know; it's getting thin there too. But uh, you know, there's always the at least there's Dansby Swanson crowd.
0: I wanted to, I wanted to find out what you were hearing in San Diego about the Padres because it sounded like there's people that are worried, like they are spending well beyond their means. Does this now go into the personal wealth of the owner? Fans don't care. But whenever you start doing that and things you don't win, and you don't win consecutively, you know, things can we have seen things go bad in baseball. We, we we saw things go bad for Frank McCourt and the Los Angeles Dodgers. We've seen certain things just go sideways. What were you what were the concerns you were hearing about just the money that the Padres were throwing around at the time?
1: I mean, everybody's asking about it. I you know, I, I guess the a nicer way of looking at it is they're only a little bit into the first uh, level of the pay, of the luxury tax right now. Two hundred thirty-five million. Uh, if they if things went wrong and then you wanted to reset, uh, Blake Snell and you Darvish come off the market off of their payrolls next year. Thirty-five million dollars. Drew Pomerantz, forty-five million dollars. So $45 million will, dollars will come off if they really need to reset and get under the luxury tax, they can do it. So they're not into funny money, Steve Cohen territory yet. That guy has a $340 million payroll, which will cost him almost $400 million because of the taxes. So that's that's like a whole nother territory. And if you wanted to ask, you could say, well, yes, yeah, Steve Cohen has the money to do that. <laughs> I don't think Peter Seidler has that kind of money. At the same time, people were talking about it. And it was something that we talked about at the bar. And we talked about when you're talking about how the Padres doing this. And I don't know, you know, it's one of the things, I don't know if it's fair to speculate like this, but one of the things people were talking about was that Peter Seidler had two scrapes with uh, cancer uh, and uh, maybe he's just wants to win. And we saw a little bit of that with the Tigers uh, near the end with Illich where he just wanted to win and he put some money on the table and bought uh, some good teams and they made it to the, to the world series around that time. So, uh, you know, maybe, you know, it's kind of refreshingly old school where, you know, teams used to be bought by people that wanted to win. They wanted to have a toy and like would spend whatever money it took to like win with their toy. You know? <laughs> so it's kind of an old school approach. And uh, I don't, it's fine with me. If that's what he wants to do with his money, you know, like the Padres are better now before it.
0: I, I I'm with it until I get Miguel Cabrera in six really bad years of a contract.
1: Yeah. You have to be careful. Yeah, You have to be careful. And I'm a little bit worried. I did, you know uh, you know, I stay in touch with analysts around the game and stuff. And I did get texts about the Xander Bogart deal because generally what you're seeing is I think the, the market you know, we we had to sign a CBA. And once you sign a CBA, normally there's a little bit more spending afterwards. Cause teams are like, okay, we're going, we know what's going to happen for the next five years. So we're, the, the, there's cost certainty. We know yeah. what's going on in the game, right? So that's part of it. Then you also have recovery from COVID where, you know, there was a bad year in 20 and 2021 was getting that back and 2022 was like a, just a nice normal year where most uh, most attendances came back to where they used to be. So there's some more money in the deal. Then you have the new money from uh, uh, Apple Peacock, you know, you have these new streaming uh, uh, sources and there was a discussion of maybe putting logos on the on the uh, Um, on the uniforms. So uh, or putting putting an ad on the uniform. So there's potential new money in the future that people are thinking about. So generally, the market is happy. And so you then you say, if all these deals look like overpays, then no, that's just the new market. This is where we are. This is what you know, teams are willing to spend. However, in that context, I still got a text from somebody who was agreeing with me on all that and thought the Xander Bogart steal was an overpay. Well,
0: I, I so, and I would just like to say this, that at this point where these markets are, it is scary because a lot of the team, you know, we see certain teams paying it. So a lot of mm-hmm. the other teams not paying it. So the divide between have and have-nots continues to grow. And then now the have-nots are looking at, if I do get a great shortstop that I bring up through my system, we're now setting the precedent of 9, 10, 11 years, 280 plus million. So now, so that's where I, I know a lot of fans go, I like that they, th- that team's doing it, but don't think that down the line that's not going to affect your team.
1: Yeah, I mean, like for a team like the A's, it means trading the guy earlier than you think, right? <laughs> well, it's like get- the
0: NFL. Let's talk about another sport you got one quarterback gets it. That's great. He's, he's phenomenal. Well, you bring up the quarterback. He's not as good, but he wants the money. same money as the great quarterback. <laughs> yeah. So you're stuck having to pay your average guy like a great player. It affects everybody. It affects you in right. basketball, NFL. That's what I'm saying. Like some people, I know what you said. Ah, oh, they're sportsmen. Spend your money. Try and win. But don't think that someone's reckless spending is not going to affect you.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's fair to say, well, uh, there are teams that don't spend as much and still win. Um, However, the correlation between spending and wins is tightening over time. I think it's because teams generally have the same playbook. They're all like, yeah. oh, we need to develop guys. You need to hug your prospects. You need, we love barrel rate. We love, uh, you know, we love chase rate. We love discipline. You know, like there's there's very little like, ooh, we figured something out. Look at the Guardians. They might've, they, they're trying something different where they're like, we're going all contact, right? Like we all, our guys make a ton of contact. How long until, if that works, other teams just do it too? You know? so, and, the, and the Dodgers and Yankees buy guys that, that, that can make contact. So how long does that competitive advantage last for the Guardians? And what you have also seen is look at who won it all. Look at who won the World Series. I, don't, I think it's been 20 years since a, somebody in the bottom half of the salary, uh, in terms of salary output, won it all. So you know there is a question of like yes you can win and that's, and that's something that people talk about in, in Oakland right but it doesn't work in the playoffs it's like you can put together teams that win but could you put together a team that won it all without spending more money
0: and just think about the team that won it all they've let Garrett Cole bye bye Carlos Correa bye bye just yeah we Ver- just replace them from within Justin Verlander they've let great players go it's they
1: have a guy Hunter Brown that if you overlay him with his mechanics like if you do one of those overlays that they do online he looks exactly like justin verlander they just developed another guy that just looks like justin Verlander. <laughs> like Why can't we're gonna we plug this that? guy where's in? our verlander uh
0: <laughs> give me a big holiday surprise you see you're hearing anything that will be a big holiday surprise for us
1: no i don't i don't have anything for you i think uh the, i think that i think the trade market will be interesting. I think once we see Correa and Rodon sign, there's going to be a trade thing. And I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily give, you know, Dansby Swanson $250 million just because I got left to hold in the bag. So I might start, uh, you know, exploring some really interesting trade options. One thing that, like, I think about right now is the D-backs have, like, five outfielders. Yes, and young can,
0: athletic outfielders.
1: They're all young. They're all, like, left-handed hitting, and one of them can even play catcher. So I could see – I see the D-backs being right in the middle of something really interesting when it comes to the next trade.
0: Gavin Lux doesn't have a good arm at second. You really think think he's going to play short?
1: But I don't know what uh, I don't know what the Dodgers are going to do. Maybe they uh, find some way. You know what they love doing is uh, short deals on high average annual salaries. So maybe they can uh, convince Danzi Swanson to come in for two years and 50 million, but they don't want to pay the, the long-term deal.
0: I mean, they got center field, third base. they got all kinds of positions they need to fill.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I like some of those guys that they're finally coming up. Miguel Vargas They're, you know, they, they are, their player development is pretty decent and they're going to develop some guys to, to plug some holes in, but uh, you would expect them to have been more, uh, more active on the, on the market. All right. So I mean, they let Cody Ballinger go and he signed for the exact same m- number that he would have signed for in LA. That's
0: crazy. I mean, the Cubs, I was like, are you serious? All right. This is our last show before. I don't even know when, when, when are we coming back in January commander? It's like the 9th, I think. The 9th? Yeah, I think it's January 9th. You know how much could happen between then? What, Rodon and Correa? Oh, no, no, Correa will Correa will not have signed by the time we come back. <laughs> and But but the, market, and we'll still, the market's still heating up. The market's still <laughs> <be> heating
1: up. <laughs> what are you doing with your family for the holidays? Uh, we are staying in uh, for Christmas, and then we're going to go down to San Diego for New Year's. So back down there.
0: Well, there's a lot of money down there while we were everybody was getting it. You might, you might, you might as well find some of it while you're down there, my friend.
1: Yes. And, uh, and I'll, and I'll be having some good beer down there. And, uh, also, uh, beer I'm having right now. That's a a great wintertime deal is the Firestone Walker has this, uh, mocha stout. That's a, it's a nitro stout. So you pour it hard and it, and it has these beautiful little waves that go through. Uh, it's got a little coffee and a little bit of mocha and, uh, it's a perfect way to kind of, uh. I don't drink coffee, so it's a little bit like a, it's my version of coffee.
0: I mean, and you can drink it any time of the day. You can drink coffee at yeah, any time of the
1: day. it's the holidays, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm decorating the tree. I'm going to pour this beer here. 8
0: a.m., Santa's here. <laughs> uh, the partnership with you has been a great success. Fieldwork has been a great partner. Obviously, you know how we feel about your work. You're one of the smartest in the business. We just want to thank you for helping us get better here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. And I can't tell you how much we look forward to 2023 and our partnership with you. So you be well and uh, have a great time. Good Christmas and have a great time in San Diego. And we'll see you in 2023.
1: Yeah, happy holidays and everything. Thanks for having me on. And let's do some live events in the spring. And I really enjoy it. I'm thinking spring training event.
0: Let's get a spring training event going early.
1: Ooh, I like it. I like it. Take care. All right, see
0: you guys. The Eno Saris Show
1: is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com.
2: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this.